Hey, this is episode 37 of the Happen to Your Career podcast. Today, we have something a little bit special for you. We've got one of the most downloaded, most played, and one of our favorite interviews from way back when. This is Richie Norton talking about his experiences, and also we talk a little bit about how we got started with Happen to Your Career. So, The other reason we're playing this for you is we've got our heads down on a project that is, well, pretty exciting. But here's the thing. If you're not already enrolled to get our newsletter each week or enrolled in the Work You Love One Stop intro course that helps you identify what you want to do next, then you're not going to be able to find out about this special project. It's only going to be for those already a part of the HTYC community. So head on over to happentoyourcareer.com slash one stop and sign up. This is Happen to Your Career, the show that is all about helping you move to work you love. We want you to do work that fits your unique and signature strengths. We will bring you inspiration, tools, and roadmaps to help you in your journey. I'm Scott Anthony Barlow. We are so excited today to have Richie Norton with us on the show. Richie is the best-selling author of The Power of Starting Something Stupid, as well as the number one Amazon download, Resumes Are Dead, and What to Do About It. He's an international speaker and consultant for the corporate growth and personal development industries, a social entrepreneur, and CEO and founder of Global Consulting Circle. Richie has been featured in Forbes, Business Week, Young Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, and other national publications, both in print and online. In 2010, Pacific Business News recognized Richie as one of the top 40 under 40 best and brightest young businessmen in Hawaii. Richie, how are you? Hey, I'm really good. Thanks so much for having me on here. This is going to be fun. Absolutely. So I I read your bio there, but go ahead and tell our audience a little bit more about yourself, uh, both on the professional side, but also you personally, anything you want to share so we can get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Well, um, I love I love starting things. Uh, I love working with people and looking for ways to to help them accomplish their own their own goals. Um, I lived. Uh, I grew up in San Diego. I lived in Brazil for a couple years, and then uh, moved to Hawaii and uh, lived there for about ten or eleven years. And recently moved to Arizona uh, to do an executive MBA at Thunderbird and finished that up. It's an international business school and it's been really good. So now we're still in Arizona. I'm working um, on a number of different projects and my, my, my biggest project right now is working with a venture capital firm in the clean tech space. So that's been pretty cool. And uh, I've also had a lot of fun doing a lot of speaking and consulting around, you know, the power of starting something stupid since that came out. Uh, I'm married, got four boys and uh, we can talk more about, about them and as we as we move forward, but uh, life's good, and um, yeah, I'm excited to to chat about how I can help people start their own businesses or or you know move from where they're at to their new career, and that's just kind of what I do. Awesome, yeah, we uh you know like you said, and and I've read both of your books, and and you talk a lot about really working into stuff that you're passionate about, and the first thing I'd like to ask you, Richie, is is how what started your journey into doing work that you love? Mm. Well, that's a good question. Um, I guess, you know, I, even as a kid, you know, sometimes I was, I was shy, you know, and I, and I, uh, you know, wanted to do things, but I was scared, but, but little by little, I, I kind of over, overcame those fears. Even in high school, I started a, a, 
a band. I know I, I was kind of uh, scared of public speaking and all that. And um, I just thought it'd be fun to play guitar. And my brother played drums. And we got some friends to play along with us. And and uh, I was the singer. I wasn't that great or anything, but <laughs> I, you know, I had to get in front of the microphone, and that that got me kind of in love with being in in front of crowds. And uh, I, I guess starting there with my passions was kind of the early beginnings. And that kind of just rolled over into different things that I wanted to do. I remember specifically, I was in a, I was at a conference. It was a conference I was actually putting on. And one of the keynote speakers said, um, it was almost like a challenge. And uh, she, she was a, a CEO of a corporation. She said, how far can your influence go? And when she said that, I thought, wow, that's a really powerful question, yeah. you know, because a lot of times we think I'm just here, I'm going to do some things. It was an actual challenge to see, can you influence others for good? And then it hit me, gosh, I would love to write books, be an author, influence people, share my experiences and, and the things that I've learned. And that question kind of kicked off my, my desire to, to write books and and to do some public speaking and so i just started getting working on it and uh one thing led to another and you know here i am perfect i'm gonna i'm gonna jump back a little bit i'm gonna i'm gonna push you a little bit farther uh, richie you mentioned that you overcame your fears what what specifically mm. did you do or, or what and what can people do to overcome fears that they have mm. okay that's a really good question let me use kind of a an analogy uh, it's a surfing analogy. <laughs> I'm a surfer, and and um, I have a friend. He rides these these massive waves. I mean, twenty, thirty foot waves. Mm-hmm. Um, and he one time got into a real mess. He was on a a big wave at at uh, Sunset Beach, and it kind of pitched him over the top. And when he came crashing down, you know, the, the falls, his board came down, slammed him in the leg, and he broke his femur in half Ouch. and he almost died. He, you know, long story short, somebody came and helped him and he finally got in. Um, but here's the interesting part. He was back in the water surfing just a few weeks later with a new shiny metal pole in his leg. And, wow. and I was like, are you insane? You know, yeah. <laughs> and like, aren't you scared? Aren't you afraid? And he said, you know, Actually, yes, everyone out there is scared. And I was like, well, well then why do you do it? And, he, and his answer basically was because he loved it. His, his fear of not doing it was greater than his fear of doing it. In other words, his why for what he was doing was bigger than his fear. And so I started looking at that and I realized, you know, so, so one thing to overcome fear is you got to want to do it more than you're scared of not doing it. But, but practically it's, it's, it's more than that. You know, he didn't, you can't just go surf 20 foot, 30 foot waves. Um, if you don't know how to swim. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he started off learning how to swim. He started, started off learning how to ride, you know, one foot waves in the whitewash and then two foot waves, five foot waves, 10 foot waves, and kind of built his way up. And along the way, of course he had spills. He fell and he learned how to overcome those failures, so to speak, in the water, little by little. And so I think, um, and he built up a tolerance for falling so that when he fell off a 20-foot wave, he knew how to get back up and do it again later. And I think that's the way it works. We have these big picture dreams and they're so big that we're scared 
um, of starting because we don't know how we're going to get there. And we mm-hmm. also know if we get way up there, we could also fall you know, really far. Mm-hmm. And so my advice is to break down those big picture dreams into small, more manageable parts and incrementally overcome those fears one thing at a time. So whatever you're trying to do, pick the low-hanging fruit. The easiest, smallest thing you can do, start there, and then you build up again incrementally, almost like walking upstairs uh, to eventually do that thing you want to do. So overcoming mm-hmm. fear is a process. You've got to crush it. You crush it down into small parts and then do it. Wow. wow. That, that was profound, Richie. I, I don't even know where to start, but you know what? When, when I... <laughs> When I read your book and, and you talk about that same thing, it I realized that that's what always had I had a problem with. You know, I, I joke around that my problem's always been is I get this idea and it starts in my garage and in two point six seconds, all of a sudden I'm trying to figure out how I'm gonna finance a corporate jet. Right. You know, and, and and so at that point I'm like, Well, I don't even know how to fly a jet or where I would get one, so I just give up on it. Right. And so I think that's so big for so many people to to realize and, and to do just what you said is to realize that, you know, the fear of not doing it would be worse. And then to break it down and be able to to find a way to start doing it. And I know we're going to talk more about that as we get into the interview. So my next question is, how did you discover what you're good at? or How did you find what your strengths were as you went through your life? Mm. You know, I, 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 to be honest, I guess for the most part, you know, I'm not always thinking, what am I the best at? What am I good at? Am I going to do that? It's more just kind of, kind of doing it right? right and um but when i wrote i wrote my first book called resumes are dead and what to do about it um you know you would you would think that i have a strength in either writing or or understanding that topic but mm-hmm. the thing was i didn't realize either of those things until other people were telling me hey richie you know or they're asking me questions how do you do what you do or why are you doing it or you know, I've been giving away all these resumes and I can't get a job. And then, it, so, so in, in one way, I realized a strength because other people were telling me, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I, and I recognized it. So I think one way is to kind of look at what, what people are telling you. And that's really good feedback. You just got to, got to recognize it. Right. Um, another way to do it, honestly, is to think about what you love doing, what you're passionate about. And then also try and pair that with something that you're capable with doing. Um, because sometimes we're passionate about things, but we can't really do them. And that's a whole other story about, you know, gaining the ability to do the thing you love if you can't. But it's another thing, again, that low-hanging fruit. If it's something you love and it's something you can do already, then go after that thing. Um, magic happens when you're in motion. When you start getting that, that ball rolling, you start realizing that one thing builds on top of the next and um, you just get better and better at it as you practice. Right. Perfect. I want to jump to your book for a second. And I, I've heard interviews where you've mentioned this and I, I've read your book and, and read about you mentioning it. But I want you to share with our audience, um, I believe you call it Gavin's Law, right? Yeah. Can great. you share a little bit with that? Definitely. So um, my brother-in-law, he lives on and off with us in Hawaii for about five years and he was just so close to us like uh you know my wife's brother but like really like a a brother to me and even like a brother to my to my kids because he was just so close and was always with us and he was the kind of guy that would you know he was just passionate about life and he would help homeless people and he would go on you know trips to cambodia to build houses just a good guy um unexpectedly unexpectedly one day when he was uh 21 he just 
he didn't wake up. Uh, he passed away in his sleep. And that experience just shook us to the core. You know, you think that everyone around you is going to have a chance to grow up and live their dreams and retire, but it just wasn't, wasn't that way for him. And we realized, oh man, life is short. And just because that's cliche doesn't make it any less true, right? right? And so we had our fourth son and we named him Gavin after my wife's brother, Gavin. And he brought so much joy into our lives and kind of filled the hole that his uncle had left in his own little way. Um, but little did we know that 76 days into his life, um, you know, he would actually pass away too. He caught something called um, pertussis, which is also known as whooping cough. And man, you know, it's it's hard to have a, a brother pass away. It's it's your worst nightmare as a parent, you know, to have your child pass away. And from those two experiences, you know, people would ask me, you know, you know, Richie, what what did you learn from that? Which is an interesting question. You know, what do you learn from somebody, you know, passing away? And I kind of thought about it, and I I realized um, uh, this, and that's what I call Gavin's law which is live to start, start to live. Because when you live to start those ideas that press on your mind, which sometimes we label stupid because we're afraid to do them, when we live to start those stupid ideas or those most meaningful opportunities, we really do start living. So many people are kind of like the living dead walking around not knowing what to do with their lives. But it's, it's, it's as simple as that. Those ideas that come to you that are pressing on your mind, if you start doing them, you really will take advantage of your opportunities and you'll live a life without regret. And so I, I you know, I, I, I try to spread that message as far and wide as I can to help people realize life is short. Don't wait. Start stuff. And if you really want to start living, start those stupid ideas that are pressing on your mind. Man, thanks so much for sharing. And I, you know, ever since I read that story the first time I knew if I ever talked to you, I wanted to say my condolences. I can't even yeah. imagine. Um, going going through that you know i have kids of my own and you know i know like you said it's anybody's worst nightmare yeah um, but i appreciate so much that you turn something like that into something that could you know teach and and encourage people because as i read your book and and read that story you know i got the same thing you hammered that really hard that you know life's short you don't know what's going to happen so don't wait to do what you want to do and i i know that that fear is is what keeps people from doing that and I appreciate you talking about that and explaining how to get through that. So, Richie, a lot of people um, don't realize that they can start doing work that they love, that they could actually do something that they like doing, and that they could have the lifestyle they want, and they could actually get paid to do it. So when did you realize that that was a possibility? Hmm. Well, I guess, you know, my, my I grew up in a family of, of entrepreneurs, and I, I kind of grew up with the mentality that... You, you eat what you kill, right? That you, mm -hmm. if you want something, you should go after it and you should, you should do it. Um, I know not everyone is in that situation. Um, but for, for me personally, it, I was in, I was in college. I was actually going to, um, BYU Hawaii. It's a small school, about 2,500 people, but they're out from over 70 different countries. And I was student body president at the time. And part of the mission of the school is for these students from all over the world to come and then go back to their home countries and be leaders and start businesses and whatnot. But a lot of them, 
uh, didn't go back to their home countries. And I, I would ask them, you know, why don't you want to go, you know, you know, back to from where you're from? And and they said, you know, I don't see any opportunity there. There's more opportunity in the states. And and but they but they wanted to go home. That's where their family was. That's where their friends were. They just didn't think they could. And so I thought, wow, maybe there's an opportunity through entrepreneurship. And so I actually um, wrote a business plan to help people start businesses in their home country so that they could then take advantage of these opportunities because there's so much opportunity everywhere, especially with the internet. And mm-hmm. um, that was my first experience with me in business, kind of going after something that I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I wanted to help people and I wanted to do it through you know, a, a business format. And I actually entered my, my plan into a competition and it totally failed. They said there wasn't enough details. Um, it, it just wasn't going to work. But I thought, you know what? That's okay. This is something I really want to do. I'm going to do it anyways. And so I didn't stop when they told me that it was, wasn't a good idea. I actually went back to them and said, well, then help me flesh out this plan. And they helped me you know, make it more complete and actually put me in contact with someone um, from Mongolia who had won the business plan competition earlier. And so one of my first ventures was actually starting a cashmere company in Mongolia. And um, and then it it went on to doing other businesses in Samoa, and and we actually ended up creating an institution that helped people start their own businesses. And through this process, I realized for me, and I realized for others, that it's to kind of know you can start something and have it succeed, it starts psychologically. First of all, you never know if it's really going to work or not, but you have to first come o- overcome that barrier of, again, a fear of pride, you know, of, of procrastination, which are all psychological, and yeah. and then really become authentic and just say, this is who I am. Um, I do want to make a difference. I do want to start this this project or whatever it is. And then start, again, small and incrementally. Um, And the work begins, um, I really believe, with something I called START, which is serve. It's an acronym for serve, thank, ask, receive, and trust. I always say start with service. Start doing that thing that you love for free. And you start getting mentors. And you start finding people that are in your space that want to do that. And you start getting those that ability, the capabilities. You you match that character of wanting to do something with your capabilities through service, and you just put one foot in front of the other and and go for it. So you got to just believe in yourself, and you got to just start somewhere. And I say start for free and start with service. Perfect. You know, and that that leads into my next question. I wanted to talk to you a little bit, Rich. You talk in your books about projects, and and these were obviously projects you did. And yeah. for the audience, I, I mentioned this to you before the podcast, but your book and that recommendation is the reason that this podcast exists today, which wow. is pretty cool. That's amazing. And, yeah. and we're excited to have you on because of that, because I read your book and I decided that I was going to start a project because like I said earlier, I go from you know my garage to a you know Fortune 100 company and then I never do anything. Right. So I contacted Scott and said, hey, is there any projects we could work on? Let's just meet. And we came up with some projects and, and we did those for a while and then kind of set those aside. And then Scott came back and said, hey, I have this idea for a podcast and helping people move to work they love. And that's where this podcast came from. And now we're on New and Noteworthy and, and we're only going up from here and helping people out. So talk to people about projects and how they can mm-hmm. utilize those whether e- either to get 
start a company they want, like like Scott and I have done, or to get a job that they want that they don't currently have. Well, that's a, I mean, you're a perfect example, right, of, of someone who's taken an idea from idea stage to reality. And I love that you did call it a project because that actually changes everything. Sometimes you'll ask someone what they do or what they want to do, and they'll say, well, I'd like to do XYZ or something, or I'm thinking about doing XYZ. But a better way to frame it, again, overcoming the, the psychological barriers, a better way to frame it is to actually say, if you want to do XYZ, say, I'm working on the XYZ project. You actually label it and name it a project because a project um, denotes that there's a beginning and an end. And it also means that you can fail. Like you were saying, you know, you have an idea in the garage and then you mentally picture it becoming a fortune, you know, company. And then you're like, oh, I can't do it. It's too much work. Right. Well, um, that's, it's, it's, it's too much to, to comprehend. So a lot of times people think whatever idea they have, they're going to be in it forever. And that's just so daunting that they don't do it. It's better to say it's a project because again, beginning and end, it can fail. It can, it can, it can do well. If it does well, you can keep pushing it forward. If it doesn't, you can scrap it and move on or at least learn from it and build on top of that. And so literally, if you're going to work on a book, instead of saying I'm working on a book, say, yeah, I have the, for me, my stupid book. So I'm working on the stupid book project, right? <laughs> <laughs> so just, just, just name it. And, and if you, if it's possible to have someone holding you accountable, like for me, it was helpful to have an, uh, a publisher that was giving me dates of when to get stuff, you know, in. And so if you literally put dates on your projects and you kind of tell the world, tell the world on social media or just a friend or, you know, someone tell them I have this project and it's going to be done, or at least this portion of it is going to be done by this date. And then things start rolling forward. It's, it's really important to call it a project and give them due dates. Absolutely. And I could, I couldn't agree more for me. The biggest part was there was an end date. So I never felt like I was going to be quitting something right. because if the project ended and you could decide to move on or you could decide to go do something else and, and you didn't feel like you were failing or quitting or giving up. And so yeah. that's, that's huge. And I, I really hope people will, will take, take that to heart and, um, you know, certainly read the book to learn more about that. Um, yeah. but as people are moving towards work that they love, Richie, what is one resource or book that, that has helped you and you would recommend for someone else? Mm. Um, gosh, there's, there's so many. Uh, there's a really good book called um, Rework. Um, it's short and it, it's just really punchy and you know, it talks a lot about starting things and what things not to do. Uh, mm -hmm. One of my favorite all-time books is Good to Great. Um, by Jim Collins, which talks about how to take a company from good to great. And he kind of says that good is the enemy of great. Um, and another book that really inspires me that I love is, is you know, Outliers and The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, mm -hmm. They're just so well done and so well researched and just kind of show you again, how one thing leads to another. So those are, that's more than one. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few books that, uh, that I love that have inspired me. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure that those are in the show notes to, uh, to, so other people can check those out and, and take a look at them. So wrapping up here, Richie, um, share with us what you're working on right now and then let us know how our audience can, can get more of you or learn more about you. Okay. Probably the most relevant thing um, that I'm working on right now 
to the listeners would be something called the 76 day challenge. And I mentioned earlier, my son lived for 76 days. And so I've kind of created projects around that time period. I kind of feel like I can try and get anything done in that time period. And so I kind of put together an action guide. It's almost like leading you by the hand of, of day by day, some things to do to help you get your project started and completed. Um, so you can get that guide for free. It's at um, richynorton.com slash 76-day challenge, just 76-day challenge. And um, put in your email, and, and when it's ready, I'll send it. It should be done, I think, actually this week. So you'll get an email back with the, with the PDF, and you can go for it. Um, if people want to learn more about me and what I do, just richynorton.com or uh, you know, get my book, The Power of Starting Something Stupid, on Amazon. Uh, you can also get Resumes Are Dead and What to Do About It. I think it's free right now on Kindle, and that's on Amazon as well. And it's worth every penny that you'll pay for it, right? That's right. Yes, it's priceless. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that book is, is absolutely worth way more than you're getting it for now. So I would, I would recommend everybody hurry up and get there. But feel free to pay Richie as well. I'm sure he'd be okay with that. Yeah, that's cool. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, Richie, we, we appreciate so much you coming on the show and, and uh, letting us pick your brain a little bit and asking you some questions. And we will certainly link all of those resources um, in the show notes for your episode and people can get more of you. And, and I, for one, as one who's read both of those books, I would highly recommend going out and getting them today. Um, whether you're starting a business, whether you're moving towards another job you like, it certainly is a great resource to, like Richie said, overcome those fears and overcome uh, the challenges that that we all face as we try to move towards work that we like to do and, and creating a lifestyle we love. So, Richie, thanks so much for being on today. You're so welcome. It was my honor. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. And I absolutely love this interview with Richie. And the real reason I loved it is he had so many things packed into this short interview. And he spent a lot of time talking about you know, how to get over what holds you back. And that, I think that was really the theme of the interview. And one thing in particular, he talked about, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, look at your dreams and then break them down into much, much, much smaller steps. And, and I love this in particular, because as Mark, as you and I work with people and, you know, I've uh, you know, coached people in the past, this is one of the biggest things that uh, that really is holding them back. And that's that's what we do as a coach uh, most of the time, helping people break it down into much, much smaller, much more manageable steps and actually holding them accountable to those pieces. So, you know, when you talk about going from your garage to you know to corporate chat in 2.6 seconds, then you know that's that's defeating. It's self-defeating. And and there's the I don't know how to do it, so why do it at all? So and I, I I think that's a record, by the way. Two point six seconds. Well, it's it's pretty quick. Thanks. <laughs> no problem. It, Carry on. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm carrying on. And you know that's uh, that's important though. And the other reason why is because that will stop people from realizing what their strengths are too. He spent a lot of time talking about you know how he realized what his strengths were, and quite frankly, he didn't realize them until he was actually paying attention to what other people were telling him. You know, other people are asking him questions, you know, and other people are giving him feedback saying, hey, you would actually be good at writing and speaking. You would actually be good at, uh, you know, some of these, some of these things. And he's doing them now. And I think that's not only a testament for, you know, that actually works, but at the same time, that's another thing that so many people struggle with. So, 
the final thing that I pulled out of this interview that I absolutely love is he didn't stop. And he's got a couple of different stories around this, but he didn't stop when people told him things were a bad idea. So he talks about the business plan competition in college. And he talks about his, uh, his business plan in the eyes of the judges was a dismal failure, right? And, you know, he could have stopped there. But what he did instead was he actually went to the judges, asked for feedback and said, hey, I still like this idea. I still want to do this. Help me, you know, help me, uh, help me flesh this out. And then he ended up, you know, not, uh, not having the exact same thing that he started out with, but he ended up, uh, you know, progressing and, and starting one of his first real business ventures that way. And that's what led to it. So uh, those, are the, those are the things that I got from the HTY re- recap. Mark, anything you want to add? I, I just would second everything you said. And thanks so much for doing that, Scott. You know, to me, this was one of the best interviews and I love doing it because of the actionable advice that he gave. Um, I'd recommend all of our listeners not only take, Scott, what you talked about here, but also I would go back and listen to this episode a few more times because there is so much packed into here about overcoming your fears and really working through the challenges, the psychological challenges that you'll have in your career transition or your job search, whatever you're doing. Um, it's just packed full of those things. The other thing we would ask is that you would head over to happentoyourcareer.com backslash Richie dash Norton. That's R-I-C-H-I-E dash Norton, N-O-R-T-O-N. And answer this question for us. What fears do you have in your career journey and how are you overcoming them? And that's it for this, this week on the HTYC podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey, now it's time for us to thank all of our five-star rating and reviewers. Thank you very much to Frank Hess. We appreciate the five stars. Thank you, Jody Mayberry. And also thank you for the shout out on Twitter. We really appreciate that too. And same to Natalie Gabrielle. Really appreciate it. Justin Williams, thank you for the five stars. We appreciate all of those who take the time to go on iTunes and leave us what you thought of the episode and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us continue to stay in new and noteworthy, and at the same time, other people to find our podcast. Hey, have you ever wondered what some of the best books are to read that could expedite your career no matter what you're doing? Well, now you can find them right there on happenedyourcareer.com. Visit there now, enter your in email, sign up for our newsletter, and at the same time, you can get the top five career books recommended by many of our guests that have been on the show previously. Go to happentoyourcareer.com, put in your email, and download the list of the top five career books. A couple of these will surprise you, I guarantee it. Thank you very much for listening to Happen to Your Career, and we're out. When we started it, and you're always like, Mark. <laughs> it's like you're dealing with a child. <laughs> dad, 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 guess what, guess what, guess what? Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, if they could just like see you like pulling the paper down from in front of your face <laughs> on your lazy boy recliner, that'd be perfect. <laughs> Which is funny. Well, no, not really. I guess because you're a high D and I'm a high I, so that makes sense. <laughs> you're very straightforward, and I'm just party. That's hilarious. <clears throat> Let's record it though, because I just about went off on a tangent. I stopped myself. 